Hi guys, it's Tony Robbins. You're listening to Habits and Hustle. Crush it. Today on the podcast, we have Patrick Beth David. Guys, if you don't know who Patrick is, I just want you to know that I wanted to interview the guy so badly, I flew to Florida to sit with him face to face. I went through a ton of uh, hoops and jumped a lot of hurdles to, to even get the interview because he's that much in demand and that busy. He wrote one of my favorite, if not my favorite, business entrepreneurial book on the market. It's called Your Next Five Moves, and it was actually the number one Wall Street Journal book as well. He talks about all the skills and the strategies needed to be a, uh, to be an entrepreneur or for anybody who is a high performer or anybody in any level of business, he lays it in such a methodical, strategic way that I just, I just really, really enjoyed the book. He also created Valuetainment, which is a media brand with the purpose of teaching fundamentals of entrepreneurship, personal development, while also inspiring people to break free from their limiting beliefs. It is one of the biggest business channels on YouTube with millions of subscribers. He is just someone who I, I really feel like I, I learned a lot from, and I believe you guys will too. He's super smart. He's been a super successful entrepreneur uh, since he was just a little boy. We get into that. I, I really enjoy the podcast. I, I really hope that you get as much from it as, as I got when speaking with him. What I really admire is, first of all, you're a great storyteller. So when you, someone asks you a question or when you try to get your point across, you're very good at like visually like putting it out there for someone so the message lands well, right? So it's not just like, you know, why this? And then you just answer the question. It always like has like a whole, like a whole story behind it. So people can like, oh, they, it, it, it lands well, it resonates well. And I love that. The other reason why I'm like, borderline obsessed with you, I have to put that word in, is because every you're so like blunt and straightforward. And like a lot of people are probably like, oh my God, I can't believe he would say that or think that, but you don't give a shit and you'll just say it. And the truth is, it's I, I agree with everything, like everything like you have in here. I'm like, oh my God, I totally agree. Oh my God, I totally agree. And the how I even got to you, like bef- besides Tom and all that, was someone sent me a couple of things that you did or said, and they're like, oh my God, he's like a guy version of you. And I'm like, who is this? I'm like, who is this guy? And then I started to like watch you and you know that rabbit hole. Once mm-hmm. you start one video, you go down to like 55,000 yeah. of them. And um, so that's why I'm super happy to be here with you. Awesome. So thank you for being well, on this podcast. You. And also Patrick is so lovely and kind that I'm in Florida and I don't have my own video crew here. So we're using Valuetainment. So thank you so much for allowing no me to, you know, use all your, your, your nice people and your equipment. So thank you. Okay. So I have literally so many questions for you and um, I don't even know where to begin. So I guess we'll can start with the beginning. You just, you said a story before we even started yep. this with, you're like, when you were at a club and you didn't want to get in trouble because you knew you're going to like do big things and you're going to be successful. So I guess a good way to begin this is so you did always have like that inkling that you knew you had big things in, in you. 
So I was the guy when we would uh, come back from uh, Wilson Junior High School and my friend Adrian uh, uh, or Art, and we would walk down Verdugo. They would ask me questions and I would ask the question and say, hey, you got four choices who you want to be when you grow up. You can be Michael Jordan, greatest basketball player. You can be Michael Jackson, greatest performer. You can be Bill Gates, richest person, or you can be the president, the most powerful person. Who do you want to be and why? And the guys would say, I would want to be the billionaire. I'd want to be the president. I'd want to be, and always a great conversation, right? And we would dream. It was always living in la-la land. What if one day? What if one day? What if one day? But no, the story about... Uh, uh, what, what would ha- you be? Which one would you pick? Uh, to me, at that time, it was more... Uh, I, I liked entertainment. So I was a... It was a toss-up between Michael Jackson and Michael Jordan at the time. It was not the money. Uh, 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 it was more entertainment. It was more impact. It was more getting you to be thinking about it. Because money, anybody can make money. You right. don't make money and say, oh my gosh, look at that guy's money. You're impressed, you walk away. But what do you think about it? You're not counting his money. But somebody entertains you, somebody gets you to think. You walk away talking about that to 50, 100 different people because impact was made. I'm more interested in impact, so that's where I was at that time. Um, but yeah, the, the whole story about what happened uh, one day, had already made a decision. So when I knew I could compete in the marketplace, when you're saying this, because prior to that, I went to the army. So army to me was my out, you know, and prior to the army, I was working at Burger King, Bob's Big Boy, haagen so nothing to brag about, right? So military was, I'm gonna go do 20 years and then get out and see what I'll do at 38. So I got out and then a friend named Kogan Alaverdian called me and he says, what are you doing re-enlisting? I said, I'm going to go six years. I'm going to Vicenza, Italy. I'm going to go, you know, DLI. They're going to have me bonus for this, airborne, air assault. He says, you should get out. I said, no, I'm re-enlisting tomorrow morning. He said, you can't re-enlist. I said, I'm telling you, I'm re-enlisting tomorrow morning. One hour on the phone, he convinced me not to re-enlist. I went to my colonel, Lieutenant Colonel Peacox, and I told him, I hate to disappoint you. Six o'clock in the morning, I'm not re-enlisting today. They canceled my entire ceremony. I was going to get an Army accommodation medal. They pulled it. It was a mess. Anyways, I got out. But uh, so I started competing in the financial industry. And then I said, I think I can compete in a marketplace. So the moment I realized I could, we went to that one party at Highlands. It was opening weekend type of deal. And one of my friends, who's a very good looking, Zoolander looking guy, one of those guys, you know, <laughs> yes. that look very petite, yeah. very, you know, like thing, everything done. And and he sees us as heterosexual, we call them. Big time yes, at the yes, highest yes. level, maybe a level above that, but not, not quite uh, <laughs> at full blown. But so he sees his ex and his ex is dating this guy and he's furious because she broke his heart. So he says, I got to go say hi out of respect. I say, you don't need to say hi, just relax. He says, I got to go say hi. And it's me and four of my buddies. He goes, says hi. And we're just standing and we're like, let's see what's going to happen. So he's talking to her and the next, you know, the other guy kind of goes like this. Fight breaks out. Next thing you know, we're on top. Beer bottles being thrown. Cops are showing up. We're swinging at everybody. Everyone gets arrested. I'm telling the cop, you have to let me go because I'm going to do something big in my life and you will never see me here ever again. He says, what the hell are you talking about? I said, I'm telling you, I'm never going to be here again. I will never club again. I have big plans in my life. You cannot arrest me tonight. He let me go. And I never went back to that club. Uh, and I was 24, 25 years old at that time when that happened. That's the last time I went to the club. Wow. And so like how, so then you always kind of had, so the army kind of helped you kind of figure that out. You all, But you, because you asked that question of those four people, by the way, Michael Jordan, I'd pick Michael Jordan, but because he would, you get you money. You Jordan over yeah. Michael. Oh, yeah. obviously. Because I think he's also, he's very talented. Yeah. He's super sexy and hot. You yeah. get all the money. Yeah. And you, you get everything with that at impact. You have you get ev- you hit every stride with that guy. 
Because, like, look look at Michael Jackson. Like, he's a mess. No, he is a mess, though. But at that time, he wasn't a mess. This is 1993. True. 1992. He was weird, though, He was always weird. I don't think he's weird, but... You, you you know, when you're coming from Iran and you're thinking about who's like the guy, everybody, yeah. you know, thought the world of Michael Jackson. That's true. Michael Jackson. But I agree with you. I would probably chose a Michael Jordan over Jackson. Yeah. So you'd say Michael Jordan. I would. Jordan too. Yeah. I mean, Michael is Michael. You know, there's the swagger he has, the energy. He walks in the room. He lights up the place. He still has there's, it. Yeah. There's only one Michael. A hundred There's only one Michael. So good. Okay. So we're yeah. on the same page with that one. So then when you were like a sales guy at the gym. So how did you even fall into the finance space? Like you were obviously a good salesperson. So that was your, was that kind of your advantage overall? What would you say your number one advantage was in general to kind of give you that like edge? Because you talk a lot about looking around your, you know, the best person, don't be competing in something that you're not as good as someone else or in a business where they have a, they have a, you know, a, a leg up on you. So what was your advantage? I, as quickly as possible, I want to know this is not what I'm supposed to do. As quickly as possible, I want to know you're not a girl I'm going to spend the rest of my time a life with, unless if we're just having fun. If I'm at a phase that I want to get married and I'm going through a lot of relationships, I want to eliminate the possibility of us being together as quickly as possible because I don't want to get emotionally attached to you because then it's problematic. Two years could go by. So I wanted to be a professional bodybuilder. As quickly as possible, I realized I can't do it to win Mr. Olympia because my interest isn't to say I'm a bodybuilder. My interest is to say I'm the best bodybuilder. So why would I go to Mr. Olympia? I'm six, four and a half. And guys at six, four and a half off season, they're at 350, 400 pounds, too much pressure on the heart, the back, the knees, the leg. I'm like, no, I'm not doing bodybuilding. I left. A good height for bodybuilding is 5'8", 5'9", 5'10", Ronnie, 5'11". Even when uh, 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 Arnold won back in the days, he was 6'2 and a half at 245. You're not going to be 6'2 and a half, 245. You got to be at 310. So I, I started selling. I fell in love with uh, selling uh, uh, gym because that's what I do. So it's easy for me to sell you to go to the gym. And then I met a girl at Venice Beach called, uh, her name was Janvier. And we started dating. I said, how do you make all this money? She was 24, 25 years old, always had nice cars. She would pick me up, we'd go up, we'd have a great time, but she had the money. I said, how do you make your money? She says, I'm a financial advisor for Morgan Stanley Dean Witter. I said, how do I become an advisor? She says, well, you need a four-year degree. I went to UCLA, she went to UCLA. I said, I'm not going to school. Anyways, long story short, I faxed 100 resumes in with my cover letter and humor and joke and all of that. <laughs> Next thing you know, I got 30 callbacks, added a 30, 15 like the jokes, 15 give me interviews, literally. The 15 that gave me interviews, I went to the interviews. I got three job offers, Morgan uh, Beverly Hills, Morgan Woodland Hills, and Morgan Glendale. I chose Morgan Glendale, and uh, the rest is history. My, my first day at Morgan Stanley Dean Witter, was the day before 9-11. That's how I got started. Really? Yeah. Did you take the 7 Series then to yeah, do that? I okay. got my Series 7. I took it at uh, in Culver City. when uh, I, I it, It's a six and a half hour exam, 265 questions. And at the end, when you press end, when I press end, I said 100% I failed. There's no way I passed this right. thing because some of the stuff, options I was good with, certain things I was good with, and then it says 78%. I said, get the hell out of here. 
So I took that thing. I was like, that was my four-year degree because I don't have a four-year degree. I right. don't have a two-year degree. It's like I got my freaking Series 7. Yeah. I was celebrating running out of that That's place. That's something. It was. At 21 years old, I was excited uh, for, for that to happen. I'm, yes. I'm curious what the jokes were. What did you say in the resume? It was a story about, you know, I said, look. See, it, a story it, it, always wins yeah. with the stories. It was a story about father who dies. And uh, you know, when he, when before dying, he sits down his three sons and he tells his son, he says, listen, I want you to respect me when I die. And he says, the way I want you to respect me is in front of the ceremony, the funeral, I want each of you guys to drop $1,000 in a coffin to represent how much you love your dad. So it sounds like 100%. So the first son comes out at the you know funeral, he throws $1,000 bills. Everybody mourns, crying, wow. The second one drops $20, $50 bills. The third one was the financial advisor, the accountant. He comes, writes a $3,000 check, takes all the cash, <laughs> drops it in there, and he walks away. <laughs> <laughs> they liked that joke. It's a funny joke. It's a funny joke. And they said, this guy's funny. So when I went in there, he says, what's your business plan? I said, I have a one-page business plan. I know nothing about this business, but I can guarantee you I know how to make people laugh. People like me. I'm a good salesperson. You're going to like me working for you. And I said, I'm one of the hardest working guys you'll find. So they said, you know what? We like you. We'll give you the offer. So they gave two of us the offer. Me and Solmaz Rashidi, who had the highest SAT <laughs> score in 1995 of... 1560 in California, went and did a four-year program in UC Berkeley for two and a half years. I think she's a scientist right now for IBM. Really? No, she's a beast, Solmaz Rashidi. Total beast. Oh, how, I yeah. can't even pronounce. What's her last name? Sol okay. Rashidi. She Persian. But, it's your uh, Armenian background that you have yeah, that like. And I can say that, yes. yes. I can't do yes. that. Although I am half Israeli, but still not able to do that. But I, so do you think, because whatever that quality is, do you think that's teachable? Do you think that someone can learn that? Because Everything that you've kind of said, and even like you're like brash, and I mean in a very good way, personality, you know, do you do you feel it's an, kind of an innate thing that you either have that or you don't have that? So uh, it's, a, it's a great question. One, uh, uh, I don't think uh, uh, you have to be this personality to be successful because Zuckerberg's not like this. Elon's got his own personality. You take Buffett's got a very strong mm -hmm. sense of humor and a great salesperson, phenomenal marketer. Most people think he's just a genius. The guy's such a multifaceted guy, Buffett is. You can go to a lot of different people, but I'll give you an idea, a story I'll tell you. My son, Dylan, okay? My son's Dylan, too. Really? Mm -hmm. With a Y? Yes. Okay, so that's the best spelling. Yes, so, isn't it? So, and your wife's Jennifer. I'm yeah, Jennifer. Really? Yes, it's Crazy. Yeah, so Dylan, here's how Dylan is, okay? Dylan has an incredible physique. He's got the perfect Bo Jackson butt, okay, with the dimples in it, okay? He's muscular. He's got the shoulder. He's got the chest. He's got the abs. Like, Dylan, his legs may be the best legs an eight-year-old could have. I'm <laughs> not even kidding too. with you. You're kidding me. No, I'm no not. Joke. No, seriously. And also, he's got the when same is his birthday? Because this is gonna it, January the January the thirteenth, fifteenth. Yeah, that's the only thing because he's September twenty-fourth. Really? Yeah. So anyway, so Dylan eventually so realized he's got a body. The moment Dylan realized he's got a body, here's Dylan. Dylan's like, the, the first chance he gets to take his shirt off, his shirt's always off. We're going out somewhere. This year, we're, we went to Art Basel. Is it Art Basel? Am I saying it yeah, wrong? We're at Art right. Basel. Shirt's off. And Jennifer's like, babe, put your shirt back on. No, I want my shirt off, right? <laughs> now, so he's confident in his body, right? He knows he's got a body because everybody tells him, you look good, okay? And he's got the charm. Teachers always complain about the fact that they can't say no to him because he's got these massive eyes. Anyways, but when it comes down to singing, here's the thing with singing. I caught him singing. He's got an incredible voice, but he doesn't know it. So I said, Dylan, 
you got a good voice. Can you sing again? No. I said, sing for your daddy. I don't sing for anybody. I said, then I want you to sing for me. I'm not gonna sing. So every time I catch him singing, I have to catch him singing when he's by himself in him because if he's by himself, he's singing, okay? And it doesn't matter what it is. He'll sing Pentatonics Hallelujah by himself. <laughs> he'll sing any random thing that he'll wow. sing. Roxanne, he'll sing all these songs, right? So as confident as he is in his body, he's not confident in his singing abilities yet to do it publicly. I think what happened to me is I realized I am very good at a few different things. And I stopped second guessing myself in those areas. Areas I'm not good in, I don't even put myself in those situations. And I know I'm not gonna be able to compete in a marketplace. So it's more or less a person when they realize what their edge is, and then you double down on that and you play offense. And listen, this whole thing about bank on your strengths, forget about your weaknesses, is also a bunch of crock because no matter what, there's certain weaknesses you have to improve. So let's just say you're weak at certain things. That's a, you're a three at, at uh, you know, asking questions. You have to improve that to a six. Maybe you'll never be a natural nine because you're not naturally curious in human beings. Matter of fact, you don't even like human beings. There are people that don't like people that right. like to be by themselves. You got to go from a three to a six. If you're not good at, you know, certain things with finance, you're running a business, you're a two in finance, you got to go to a six. You're not going to be in business, but there's going to be certain things that you're naturally seven or eight at. You got to take that to a 10. I figured those things out for myself. Some of them was later, some of them was early, and I banked on it and it worked out. Okay, so what are you, what would you say your top strengths are and your top weaknesses are? I would say I like reading people. I like reading body language. I like reading um if you are comfortable, if you trust, if you don't trust, if you're, uh, uh, you know, somebody I should trust, if you're, uh, that's probably one because I've been in sales my entire life and I've spoken in front of hundreds of thousands of people from state. So I have to catch the arms crossing the legs, looking at the phone, checking your watch, all of those things, because that's what you have to do. And then you have to realize what those tales are, the more wealthier people are, some of them change because they're pros and how they stay natural and they don't show any emotion. How do you, you know, decipher between that person versus somebody that's easy to read? I'd say that part, I'm extremely curious. Uh, I uh, love uh, people naturally. I love people, like I enjoy people. So the more I learn about people, the more I know how to, this person could do better here, positioning with people in different places until it works out for them. But I would say at the top would be curiosity, extremely curious. And then the weakness would be what? Used to be patience. Um, the other day, Mario, Jennifer, my dad sat me down and they said, what's gotten into you? We've never seen you this patient. Kids scream, it used to bother you. It doesn't bother you no more. I said, I still think I'm very impatient. He says, no, you're, you're very patient. I said, I disagree with you guys. But I used to be extremely impatient, probably still very impatient. Um, weakness would be uh, 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 if something doesn't go right um, and you do it second, third, fourth time, it's like, come on. I mean, listen, I understand first time you make a mistake, mm -hmm. but the same thing you do in second or third or fourth time, stop that part. I have a hard time with people who are helpless. Uh, if you constantly act like you're helpless, it's not attractive mm -hmm. at all. There's nothing that's attractive about it. Matter of fact, uh, uh, Dylan used the phrase, uh, it's not fair. He had to write it. Yesterday, he had to write it for a second time, 25 times. Life is not fair. Life is not fair. He had to write it because life is not fair. And then they started having this conversation. My life is not fair. To the point where he said, I, I gave him something to do. And you heard both of them go like this. But daddy, this is not. I said, it's not what? <laughs> Say it. No, 
you're trying to make us say it because you want us to just write. <laughs> I said, say it. <laughs> We're not saying it. And I said, so okay, funny. good. So life is not fair. It's not fair. I said, okay, it's fine. It's cool. So you have to accept it. But I would say, you know, when somebody acts helpless, like they're a victim, like they can't solve something and all this stuff, it's just not an attractive quality. So you don't tolerate like kind of helplessness or I, I say I can't, I can't stand stupidity. Like, you know, I, or, you know, common sense isn't so common. That's what I really believe because it's, it's not. Like sometimes it's just not. Um, in but my I don't opinion. have a problem with that if you're making progress. I know progress. it's not in your book. What I mean is I don't have a problem with me because I was, you know, if you look at all of us at one point were stupid in something, right? It's not like we know. Now, there's a difference between common sense and stupidity. But to me, I don't mind if you're making progress. I like progress. We have a fallen out, but we're willing to hash it out mm -hmm. and sit down and uh, figure out a way to make this work and we're making progress. Totally fine. Right. Absolutely fine. But if you're always like, well, you know, but this, that, and this, that. Yes, you're just, you have a, the crap magnets of life. You have to eliminate the crap magnets out of your life because like right now, it's what season? It's December, mm -hmm. right? So everyone's talking about their business plans, what they're going to do this, what they're going to do that, what they're going to do this. One of the things I write about is the fact that I am in the business of eliminating some old relationships out of my life because I just can't, I don't have the bandwidth anymore. Mm -hmm. So just like ranking in, you know, basketball, where you want to pick a, ba a basketball player, and so it's off season, you want to go see who the free agents are, you got to kind of re-strategize, you know, at this phase of your life, who do you want to be close in your life? That cousin of yours, every time you talk to him and you're on the phone with him for one hour, you don't do well for the next day. You don't do well with the people you work with. You don't do well with your girl. You don't do well with your parents. Well, guess what? That cousin of yours is toxic. Mm -hmm. Stop talking to your cousin. Cut the fat a little bit. You talk to him six times a year. Two of the times you have no choice because it's a reunion. The other four is a choice. Cut that four to one time. Right. Don't cut. Don't talk four times. Then train people when people are calling and complaining to you. Tell them right up, up front. Hey, Johnny, is this a two-minute call or a ten-minute call? It's a two-minute call. I got two minutes. Go ahead. What's on your mind? So you're managing expectations up front for the complainers to not abuse your time, to just complain nonstop. Right. You know, you're managing those expectations. But uh, I think it's more that extremely patient with people improving, getting better. Matter of fact, it's attractive to me. Right. I love seeing somebody that's getting better and making an effort to improve whatever their trade is. That is a turn on. Let's do business together, man. You keep getting better. I don't care what you know how bad you are right now, but I've seen you go from a three to four. Let's continue. It's the helpless part and the crab magnet part that's that not you have no patience no. for. So you said two things. First of all, what you just said there was when you look for people then to hire, or when you're looking for qualities in people that attract you to them, and and, and you know professionally, personally, whatever. What is the quality that you kind of that stand out to you? They don't have to be a superstar necessarily, of course, but what are those qualities? And the other part is. I want to ask you, but I'll wait. I, just want, I don't want to forget what I was going to say, but the EQ part. Do you think EQ is more important for success than um, academics, let's say? Well, that's proven. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not even me saying it. That's That's been proven in many different places. You know, whether it's these guys that never get a degree and they do so well in life because they're better with people, whether it's, you know, uh, in regards to who we uh, eventually end up voting to be a leader of something. You have to sit in a room and understand people's uh, pains. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, sometimes you walk in an office and you walk past somebody, mm -hmm. and if you didn't catch the fact that this person's having a bad day and they gave you all the right signals, mm -hmm. and it's a simple thing to say, hey, just wanna let you know everything good? You good? Yeah, let's go for a walk, how you doing? What's on your mind? Looks like something's bothering you. 
that stuff you got to get. And then the timing aspect of it. So I held a meeting last week uh, in uh, uh, today's what? Monday? Today's Monday. Monday. I held a meeting last week in Dallas. We had a great meeting. It's all our board councils. It was the most emotionally intense meeting we've ever had. Very pure business planning for the following year. And I could tell one guy was uncomfortable and he was pissed off, like in a major way. So let's go for a walk. What's up? We had a 10, 15 minute walk and he released. He's like, well, here's something. Great. I saw another guy that was a little bit and he came up and he says, hey, and he started crying. What's up? What's going on? We had a conversation together. But if if you don't catch those moments and handle those moments in a gentle way, yet still maintaining expectations, values, and principles, because sometimes it's also like, are you okay? Is everything fine? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. And and you're lowering them because now you're giving them an out versus saying, you good. What happened? What's going on? Look, I'm not going to change my standard expectation of you because I believe in you. I'm not going to say I think of you like here because I feel so bad for you. I'm sorry. I'm not wired that way. I still believe this is you. And I know it upsets you because I can't get this visual out of my mind. I fully believe you're capable of doing this with your life, but you're performing at this level. Do you want me to not think of you that way? I can come down you, but I can't help myself. So what do you want to do? So it's handling those situations with EQ, yet still not dropping the standards and expectations you have of the people around you that you feel are capable of doing big things. So yeah, EQ is very, very important. In regards to what I look at quality-wise is, first of all, you know, to me, we go by the four things, lead, respect, improve, love. That's foundation. You got to be able to lead in every situation you're in, respect, improve, love. Set that part aside. In business, I'm about outwork. So you have to have a strong work ethic. If you're not, you're not going to like me. It's that simple. You're just not going to like working with us. It will not work. You're eventually going to say, I can't stand working with Pat (laughs) because I'm a worker, right? So then it's out improve. If you subscribe to improving, we have a podcast. We have issues on a podcast. We have major screw-ups. Things goes wrong. This doesn't work. That doesn't work. This doesn't work. And then we have the 100 podcasts. And David afterwards says, hey, guess what, Pat? I said, what? He says, we had no issues here. It's a freaking great job. The fact that I didn't think about it means you crushed it. Right, they improved. Right. That's what I'm about. So if you're out working, if you're out improving, strategies to find ways to make it better, and then you have stamina and you can last a long time because this game of business, uh, uh, you know, everybody's like, oh, that guy's the guy. Oh my gosh, he's going to blow up. Oh, this guy's going to do this. None of us are going to know who the real players are for two decades. Everything right now is temporary. Give it 20 years. You'll find out who the real players are. The game of business is a long-term game. You know, uh, there's a study that came out. You know, you know who's the, you know what's the oldest active business in the world? The oldest business, What? how many years the oldest business is till today? No, what is it? What do you think that number is? How old do you think is the oldest business? Just take a wild guess. 100 years. 100 years, oldest business in the world. In I the say- world. In the world. Oh. 1,500 years, Japan, okay? Now check this out. They uh, asked the CEO of this company. Do you read all day? Like, I'm, are you I'm, are you reading constantly? I read a lot. And I you re- retain all of yeah, this information? I read a lot. God. I read a lot. So here's the craziest thing. Craziest thing. You said how many years is a long, uh, old business? Oh, 100 years. you said. Do you know how many businesses in Japan are over 100 years old? 50,000. They have, f- did you hear what I just said? 50,000 businesses are over 100 years old in Japan. So the question becomes what? How and why? Now watch this. Out of all the major com- uh, countries in the world, guess which country has highest life expectancy? Japan. Oh, Japan. When they interviewed the CEO of this company and they asked him, they said, so let me ask you a question. What's the key to success with your company? 
Why have you guys been able to do so well? He says, one tip, don't drink too much. What do you mean don't drink too much? Stay in control. Don't get out of control. Don't make too many stupid mistakes because you're creating momentum. Momentum can be lost very quickly if you don't take it for, if you take it for granted, it'll leave. So the Japanese culture of a short-term business plan is 20 years. In America, a short-term business plan is a year. In Japan, it's 20 years. They're like, what are you talking about? So there and was a long-term is five years also here. That's right. Crazy. And, 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 uh, uh, 30 years ago, uh, all these executives from here flew out to go to Toyota. There's this book called Toyota's Way. Phenomenal book, Toyota's Way. So they fly out to go to Toyota to see what their headquarters is like. And they said, uh, the biggest difference between them and everybody else is they're planning for 20 years from now. They're planning for 40 years from now. We don't even think that. Well, we're trying to hit the next quarter's numbers. Right. So there's a very different cultural way of thinking about business competing. So the outlasting part that I have at the end, uh, that's why very few people ought to intimidate you. If you truly are a competitor, because most people are not going to last. Right. Most people are eventually going to celebrate when they have 10 million in the bank or a million in the bank or a certain amount of fame or a certain amount of success or a certain amount of accolades or a certain amount of whatever. They're going to be like, oh, I've made it. Hey, what's up, Johnny? What's up, Joey? They'll show up late. They'll be casual. They'll let their bodies go. They'll let this go. They'll let that go. And then you'll sit and you're like, ooh, she's still here. It's been 13 years. She's legit. Look at those guys. That bro- Oh, they're a real threat. Respect. So my real competition is only six people. All those guys I was scared of, freaking, they're still celebrating on their first victory they had in three years. That's the totally. beautiful part about competition, man. It's so beautiful when you realize who can last and who can't last. This project, we just finished Mafia States of America. I know, I was going to ask you about that. It's a that. mess. We worked on this. There was so many problems behind closed doors because it was getting Sammy to want to agree with Michael. And both of them are very strong personalities. Both of them have a lot of content to offer. Both of them have a lot of strong opinions on what, the, what kind of a life they've lived. We had to get them to agree to come sit face to face. So that was done. And then when we went there. How did you even agree to that? How did I? How did they agree well, how to did they, it? So they, basically, yeah. So explain that. Because it was like. Well, yeah. I, so Sammy and Michael. Sammy's the underboss of the uh, Gambino family. Yeah. He was working under John Gotti. That's who he was. And Michael was a capo in the, in the Colombo family. The highest paid capo. So he made a lot of money for the family. He's like a made man. Both of them were made men. His father was Sonny Francis. who was one of the most uh, notorious underbosses of all time. The stories you read about this guy. This is a guy that rumored to have dated Jackie Kennedy, Marilyn Monroe, like Sonny Francis is a person that they ought to do a movie on, Sonny. Anyways. And then Rudy Giuliani was also Rudy involved. Giuliani was yeah. involved. We had to get Rudy. Rudy was, he was probably the hardest guy that didn't want to be a part of it. We were on a call one time and I said, Rudy, you got to be a part of this. How, how are you going to let me do an interview with Sammy and Michael about the mob and you not wanting to participate and you're the guy that brought it you know, down. You stopped all of this. You got to be a part of this. We had to talk to a bunch of different, Bernard Kirik was very helpful. He called Rudy. And then a few other guys were helpful. And then Maria, the slate, very helpful. Eventually, Rudy agreed. And then Chaz Palmentary from Bronx Tale agreed. Yeah, this was our first big project. We spent a half a million dollars to do this. And do we put it on YouTube? Do we not put it on YouTube? We did it on 6K, not 4K, not 5K, 6K production, six months, so many different things. Guys were here. Rose, Eric, Gerard, guys were here three, four, five o'clock in the morning editing by choice. And that's what you call outlasting. Mario is up here till God knows one time. The launch we just had, thousands of people this weekend were watching this over the over the weekend, just binge watching all 10 episodes. Th- that's the element where you learn, you're like, ooh, that guy couldn't last. 
He threw in the towel, was too much pressure on him. Ooh, she couldn't handle it. Wow, look at this guy, was a nobody. Now he's the number one guy we're looking at. She was as quiet as anybody could be. Now she's the best editor in the office. It's moments like that where there's tension, where everything filters out. And then two people stay up and he say, these are a rock star. Right, Let's right. go with these guys. So the outlasting component. It's attrition. It's, it's, uh, it's fatigue, it's stamina. And in, in, in the world of business, it's very necessary. No, I think that's so true. But it's so hard to see that right out, like at first blush, You're right. right? Like You're you don't right. know what you don't know. Yes. And someone can be very charming and likable. But that doesn't mean that they have all those other qualities that you need for stamina, for leadership, for outworking, out, all that stuff you said. So you are, you seem to be, and your EQ is high. Do you think you have a good sense of that? Or how do you kind of like figure that out? Like, do you give people, like, is there like a test? There, like a test? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and listen, you, you know, it, it, it's it, when we do interviews like this, we spend a lot of time talking about strengths. I have to tell you the horror stories. How many times I've screwed this thing up? How many relationships like, right. you know, where you're like, oh, this one messed up. I should never have done that. This was on us. That was on us. This was a mistake. We could have done 13 different things with this uh, in a different way. But again, the, 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 there's the fear of you make mistakes and then you make a mistake. And then there's those that just revert back. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't do this again because that was so painful. I don't want to go through that again. And then the other one's like, shit, that was so painful. Freaking A. But you know what? We can't do that again. I screwed up in this area. Those two things are on them, but these six things are on me. I can't do anything about changing them, but I can fix these six things. It's the mindset of what can I constantly improve in what went wrong. So like right now it's business planning, right? So I have uh, all these VPs in a company that we'll do business planning with, and I watch everybody's language. Here's what some people will say on business planning. 2022 is around the corner in 2021, and Half the group starts their business plan like this. Well, Pat, I got to tell you, our, our uh, numbers wasn't what we expected in 2021, but we are so optimistic about what we're going to do in 2022. I'm like, you've said that nine years, <laughs> but you've said that nine years every year. So what's going to change? Yeah, we're just, it's positive attitude. I said, no, it's not how life works. You got to go back and look at some of the stuff that you mm -hmm. and I have to change. So in regards to how you get better in situations like this with people, a ton of mistakes, a ton of scenarios. You're chunking by putting yourself in so many of these situations where you're forced to improve. You don't have a choice. Remember that one movie, Fury, with Brad Pitt, where they're in the tank, and that one scene, I don't know if you've seen Fury, where this yeah. new guy's there, this new private's there, and so, so much is hitting at the same time he starts peeing his pants. Do you remember that one scene about what happened? It's a great movie to watch, by the way. You need that to filter a person out. We need a situation like that to filter yeah. ourselves out. So it's like, oh, I don't want to get in front of the camera. I don't want to speak from stage. I don't want to do this. Go get filtered out. First time I gave a speech, it was at a, uh, 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 at a Denny's in Culver City. This man named Brian didn't even tell me I was going to speak. And he says, and the next guy I want to bring up, he's a superstar. And uh, Patrick, baby, come on up here. I'm like, no way. 30 people are in the audience. Patrick, Bed David, come on up here. I'm not getting up. Are you nervous? Oh, you nervous. I'm not getting up. I'm like, <laughs> hell. I said, I'll sell. I'm not getting in front of the stage. He says, get up. I said, I'm not getting up. So I'm saying, this, this going back and forth. He's introducing <laughs> me. I'm not getting up. So finally says, you got to get up there. So the guy's like, Pat, you got to get up there. I'm like, I no one ever told me sales was about me speaking from stage. You never told me how to speak in front. I'm good with three, four people. You want me to speak in front of 32 people at Denny's? I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Anyways, finally, I went up there. 
And I gave probably the worst speech of my lifetime, dropped so many F-bombs, it was freaking epic. And I got off and I sat down. I'm like, I just screwed the living shit out of this speech here. It was terrible. Sat down and he comes in and says, you did great. I said, no, I didn't. You're lying to me. You know I didn't do good. So no, you did really, you crossed that out. I, I said, I know this game. <laughs> I said, I, w- I was horrible. But I left. I said, on the drive back in the expedition, I'm like, Pat, that was embarrassing. It's pretty horrible what you just did. But guess what? You got up there. Okay, I'm gonna kill the next one. So it's those moments yes. where you learn about yourself. You're like, I don't want to do it again. That was so embarrassing. No, dude, get back. Get back in the ring. Get your ass kicked again. You're gonna learn. It's a filtering system. You need to be in the ring. And unfortunately, half the time, you will never find out how good you could have been because you're afraid to get back because of how embarrassing the first or second or third time was. Totally. So, so. it's like the unknown, like you don't want, you want to be able to self-actualize and you don't want to, the fear of like not doing that, the fear of um, rejection isn't as bad as regret, so to speak, right? Like you, you'll put yourself out there over and over again because you don't like the idea of what the, of, of the fact that you could have been better or you could be the best if you just actually gave it a shot. Yeah, I mean, look, what's, the most exciting part of life is what? Unknown, right? What is unknown? It's the scariest part, though, too. It's, it's scary, but it's exciting. It's like unknown, right? Hey, I'm going to ask her out. What if she says no? It's unknown. You ask her out. Wow, she said yes. Then you go out. This is our fifth date. We've kissed already. Unknown. What do I do next? Am I going back to her place? You come back. <laughs> it's that unknown. It's like nerve-wracking, right? You know, you, you're, true. you're doing something like... We're gonna buy this building. We're gonna go start this company. We're gonna do this. It's like, oh my God, I don't know if I can do this or not. What are we gonna? That unknown is the only way you and I will be introduced to a version of ours we've never met before. Right. You 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 gotta you gotta roll up your silks and I I want to participate. Can I volunteer? I want to do this. Give me some pressure. I want because that's the fastest way to constantly get to that next level. Scary. But it's so exciting. So how do how do you tell people when like what how do what would you give as a as advice for people to get over their self doubt or to get over their fears because that's what's stopping everybody right? It's this, the stop is in the start. Yeah, it is. But also at the same time, I mean, we can. Uh, you're living in a time right now where every major motivational speaker, inspirational speaker, is accessible to you through this thing called iPhone and you go on YouTube, you can watch the best motivational speeches of all time on your phone. And still the same percentage of people make it to the top and the same percentage of people fail. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we bring, bring everybody, take, take the greatest speakers of all time, whoever that inspires you. Who's your favorite? Uh, uh, to me, to, uh, like who would inspire me today? I'm a, I like the way Reagan talk because Reagan makes you laugh. I like the way John F. Kennedy talk because his method of communication. But, you know, that's a whole different discussion. MLK, you got to put him up there as uh, the messages he gave. But take everybody, put him in a room, try to motivate Johnny, put Joel Osteen there, put Tony in there, put all these guys in there. If Tony doesn't move, Tony's not going to move. How many people heard the MLK speech? How many people got inspired by it to do something? Small percentage. How many people have heard all these major speeches? So I don't, I think if the right person if that person wants to do it, the filtering system is always left to you. Mm-hmm. It's not left to the person giving the message. The filtering system is always left to the individual to say, I'm gonna do something about this versus I'm not. Well, you said saying about motivation, because motivation to me is um, 
it, it, it stops and starts. It's, it's like a burst and then you, it, you lose it. There's a big difference, in my opinion, maybe not yours, between motivation and drive. Drive is something that's kind of constant and you, you have it within like a fire in you. Um, number one, what, is, what drives you and what do you think about that? Drive, uh, uh, to me, it used to be different things, right? I have, I have a very serious side and I have a very childlike side and I got to feed both of them. The childlike side is when a boat yesterday, you know, two days ago, we're going 55 miles an hour in the seafinity I just bought where the builder came and visited me last week and we're going 55 miles, the kids are in the front. And it's like a freaking unbelievable experience. Mm -hmm. Water, I'm a water guy, we're out there, weather's good, Florida, incredible, right? Getting on the skis and you're going out there, riding the motorcycle, the Ducati Lambo, and you're going to winds hitting your face without a helmet on, I shouldn't say this, but in Florida, you don't have to wear helmets. Some of the places you have to, that wind hitting your face. Driving the 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 Ferrari SF90, I just bought that zero to 16, you know, two seconds. People say, oh, that stuff doesn't matter. You're right, it doesn't matter. But my child like, likes these toys. What do you want me to do? I was a kid, I like toys. I'm still got that side of me that likes these toys. I want to feed those toys. I still collect baseball cards till today. I got a six, seven million dollar card collection. I love baseball cards. The other day, Aaron Rodgers decided to stand up against the NFL. I've never owned an Aaron Rodgers card in my life. What do I do? I go online and I buy his most expensive card. I say, I respect you. Here, let's set it aside. It's in my house right now, sitting there. Just because the guy said, nope, I'm standing up. I bought his best really? card. Really? How much it's, was it? I don't know what it was. He's shy of $50,000 that they had. One of his rookie cards from 05. Uh, but it's, uh, uh, it's, it's a big business, though. That it's a very big yeah. business. Yeah, it's a very big business. So that's the childlike side. The other side, drive, is one time uh, we were at a Christmas party, and I'm 25, 24, 25 years old. This is when I've already made a decision to do something big with my life. And at this Christmas party with my dad, we're at the Assyrian Christmas party. One of the guys makes a negative comment on my dad, like makes fun of him. I don't do well with that. I'm horrible with that. That's terrible. And I said, I'm sorry, what did you just say? Oh, we're just joking. We're friends. I said, dude, I don't care. You're 30 years older than me. I don't do stuff like this. I don't do well with jokes like this. You don't say that to my dad in front of me. And my dad's like the most non-confrontational. says, Patrick, this is my friend. He can say whatever he wants to me. I said, not in front of me, dad. I'm not good with that. Stop. You're acting. I said, I'm telling you, I'm not doing good. We have to leave. We're not leaving. I'm your, you're leaving. I'm going home. You have to come with me. We're not leaving. This one, there was no Uber, so he has no choice. He has to leave. <laughs> So we get in the car, okay, and my dad helped that guy out, that one guy. And I know the story how much my dad helped that guy out. We get in the car and said, Dad, people don't talk to you like that. He says, what are you, is the matter with you? What are you talking about? I said, people don't talk to you like that. Let me tell you what's going to happen. I freaking remember this vividly. And I've told this story like a hundred times. I said, I guarantee you the world's going to know your last name. I guarantee you. I may be nobody right now. I'm 25. I guarantee they're going to have to kill me. They're going to know your last name. They're going to know how special of a man you were. I'm going to bust my ass for them to know your last name. You'll see. For 30 minutes, we're driving back. I'm telling them this. What makes you think we're special? What are you talking about? I said, Dad, watch. Watch. They're going to know. They're going to beg you to go to these Christmas parties. Watch. I promise you. And then we go back. And then there was a, a, we went to my sister's house. And it's me, Paulette, Siamak, my dad sitting there. And I told him right there. I said, I want you guys to know that it's going to be one of the most powerful last names you're going to hear about. But David last name, the world's going to know this last name because the life we've lived and what we've sacrificed. That's a decision I made. History to me does something to my body. I don't know why. History to me does something to my, my blood boils. So the one side is this 
12-year-old kid that's driving a car that's going 200 miles an hour and he's freaking having a blast laughing while he's going so fast. The other side is this guy that's just got so much freaking fire in the belly that I, as I tried for five years to get rid of this fire because it's constant, it's nonstop, it's boiling, it's hot. Eventually, I just said, stop fighting it. This is how the man created you and applied in the best way. So what drives me is the childlike side and the history side. And, you know, I, I, can't, I can't help myself. Do you feel you have something to prove? Is that where it's coming I don't think from? it's to prove. I think it's a, a uh, more from a place of responsibility. I think uh, 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 it's more from a place of you're, you're uh, put on this planet to do something big with your life. And it's an insult if you don't use your talents and experiences that you've had. And I don't want don't to waste the talent and the experiences. Wow. Is your dad proud of you now? Oh, my dad is my best friend. He lives with us. We hang out. You know, he yesterday he's like, Patrick, next time you tell me to go to art show, tell me I'm going to walk three miles. I am <laughs> 79 years old. Look how many steps I took today. Look, Mario comes home. He says, do you know Patrick made me walk three miles today? Look at the steps, Mario. And Mario's like, do you want me to take care of the kids? So you go to sleep? Yes, I can't do this right now. I need a break. I'm going to go. And he's like the guy that never complains. Oh, my god! But gosh. we had him walk at Art Basel yesterday so much that he enjoyed it, though. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's such a cute story yeah. about your dad. So let me ask you about this book, because, I mean, I have been kind of asking you, but I have, like, literally a thousand questions I didn't even really even ask yet. But um, so you have your next five moves. Like, it, does it matter what the five – does it have to be – if you, what's the first move? I mean, I know it, but can we talk about that? Like, as long as someone knows the first move, you're you're big with sequencing, right? What if someone doesn't have that? Like, what if they can't even figure out from from like from day one what they want to do? Never mind the five moves; they can't even figure out the first one move. Well, that's a problem. I mean, we can say, "Don't worry about it; it's all going to work out." No, you're don't fine. say that. That's, that's not, not why I'm that's here. That's not the truth. The truth is, you have to sequence it correctly. Yesterday, I'm talking to one of the guys that's at the house till midnight, we're talking about dating because he wants to get married, okay? And he's 50 years old. And I said, uh, what religion are you? He says, eh. I said, no, what religion are you? He says, I'm, I grew up Jewish. I said, are you Jewish? He said, I'm not <laughs> Jewish. I said, okay. I said, uh, do you believe in God? Mm. Do, do you, are you a Jesus guy? Or are you an Abraham guy? Or are you a Moses guy? Or are you an L. Ron Hubbard guy? Are you a Joseph Smith guy? Like, tell me one of these yeah. guys. Nah, I'm like a conversation with God guy, like Oprah Winfrey, you know, that. I said, okay, cool. I said, so uh, uh, have you been married before? No. I said, you want to have kids? I'm good. I, I've been around a lot of kids. I don't need to have kids. I said, so why are you getting married? Why do you want to get married? So, well, you know, I just, I, aren't you supposed to do that? I said, no. If I'm 50, I said, you're only going to get married for a few different reasons. One, for religious beliefs, because you want to follow the ritual of whatever right. faith you follow. Fine, totally get it. You're Catholic, you're Christian, you're Jew. Go follow the religious beliefs that you got. Two, you want to have kids. It's good for kids to be raised in an environment where the mom and dad are married because there's a certain level of structure that they're like, one day I'm going to get married. So you don't want it to be too reckless. Or number three, it's tax reasons. Outside of that, if you're going to get married because you love this woman, who cares what it says on the paper? Get married because of those specific reasons. Maybe I'd add a couple other lists. And he says, never thought about it that way before. I said, so why do you want to get married? So I'm going to get married within 20 months. Why do you want to get married within 20 months? 
That's going to force you to break things. Well, I'm with this girl here right now. I like her a lot, but I don't know. I just don't know if I'm going to have the attraction like I did with this girl and that girl. And I think I'm going to cut it. Tell me why you're cutting it. Because I have to hit that number 20 months. What is it with these 20 months? I got to get married within 20 months. For what reason? So finally, he's like, why am I doing this to myself? I said, I don't know why you're doing this to yourself. I said, why are you dropping this girl right now? You like her a lot. Go for a few more weeks. You don't have an expiration expiration date. See what happens. Maybe there's going to be something that's going to come out because you're solving for a different thing. Now, you talk to somebody else who she says, I got to get married before 30. Tell me why. I want to get married before 30 because I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to have five kids. I want to do this. Okay, that makes sense. You want to have it every two years. You don't want to have kids after 50, after 40. Okay, now there's a plan. There's a madness behind the plan. Fine. But I think sequencing is extremely critical because too often today, uh, uh, we try to do it backwards. You know, yeah, I want to have kids before uh, uh, getting married or before meeting somebody, Allah, before meeting somebody that I want to be my kid's father or my mother. Yeah, I just want to have kids. Yeah, that's not the right sequencing, buddy. You're kind of messing this whole thing up. Right, right. You, you're gonna, this kid's going to be raised in a very strange place. So sequencing is extremely important when it comes down to your health, your finances, your business, all of that. So if, you, if you're able to time it properly with numbers, say if number four is supposed to be number four, but you do it number three, fine. It's not a big deal. But if you try to do move number 19 at number three, that's a problem. You try to buy a Lamborghini, that's $300,000. You're only making one fifty. dollars That's not a good move. No, no, okay? exactly. Hank tight. Have a half a million in the bank. Save some of the money. Then if you want to get it, go for it. But that's out of whack sequencing. A lot of people who lost their house back in the 08 market crash, they bought homes they should have never afforded because you couldn't afford to buy a house like that. That's out of sequencing. You lose a car, it's out of sequencing. You lose the house, it's out of sequencing. And that's the concept of sequencing. I feel like you, it's a kind of like another word for just like strategizing and having a methodology behind it. Your book is very good that way, though, because you did very... You, for me anyway, like you did have a, everything did kind of just dovetail very nicely. You first do this, then you have to do that. And you start with, I mean, knowing yourself and self-awareness. And I talk about this all the time, you know, and, you know, it sounds so like obvious, but most people are not that great with self. They, they, what they think is not usually accurate. So do you have any kind of tips or, or ways people can become more self-aware? Oh, but you did add, I should say before, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. That the personal audit in that book was so good and so different than other things that I've seen to help. Well, that would be it. I yeah, mean, I was going to say. So I answered yeah, my own question. Yeah, that would be it. It's, <laughs> it's it's just the right questions. You know, you know how they say you're one uh, uh, relationship away from changing your life. You're one client away from being financially free. You're one idea away from being rich or whatever. You're one question away from understanding yourself better. You're one question away. One great question away. You ask a question from somebody that startles them. That's the question. You know, when you're selling a product, there's a thousand questions you can ask a client. It's that one question that gets them to say, that makes sense. Okay, yeah, let's go ahead and move forward. Not a statement, it's a question, right? The same thing goes for you. You're one question away. Like, hey, you know, I've been, ah, man, it's just so hard to find good girls right now out there. Really, yeah. Last three girls you've dated, what do they have in common? Let's kind of map them out. Okay, so how did you find these girls? Where did you go? What was the approach? How did you go on first date? What did you do? Well, I, I, you know, right off the bat, I bought her Louis Vuitton purse. And okay, so that's the problem. So you're managing expectations from here and you're always gonna drop off, right? So maybe start here and kind of go like this. Don't go here and then go like this because now it's a disappointment. Now it's gotta go to the next high. 
So kids, you start toys here, then you, you know, nothing you do for them is gonna be better. So maybe start here and kind of build it up so they're always gonna be exciting about the next thing you're gonna be doing. Yeah. So, you know, again, for me, it's asking the right question to identify yourself. You, you, there's nobody in life you're gonna spend more time with than yourself. Not your wife, not your husband, not your boyfriend, not your girlfriend, not your kids, not your mom, not your dad. You better get along with yourself. And the only way you will is by asking the right questions from yourself. Where did you kind of come up with all of that for the personal audit? Guy gave it to me in 2003. Uh, and I took that list and I went to uh, Matador Beach and I sat there and when I went through the list of questions, I was like, this is pretty crazy. It was 40, 50 questions. I added 33 other questions to it myself and then it turned into what it is today. Wow, this, it is very good. Like the, even the first few questions, I'm like, oh, this is could you you can Google it and you see the same yeah. meditate or mindfulness and you see the same things over and over again. And what I, again, what I like about you in general is that it's a little bit, diff, not a little bit, it's very out of the box. It's different. And it's actually what is need, necessary. What made you even start value Tainment? Even if you came from the financial world, you sold your company for lots of money. What Was this kind of always part of the plan or like what kind of even... What made you think, hmm, you know what, I want to start this? Yeah, so I, I I was always the guy that my friends didn't know who was my girlfriend I was dating because I was very private. I was a very private guy, okay? I had money in the bank. Nobody knew how much money I had in the bank. It was always private on what I would do. I like to be low-key. But then, you know, when really? social media showed up, very <laughs> much so, very much so. But then social media showed up, and you realized if you don't say it, somebody else is going to say it. So everybody posts Facebook, MySpace, YouTube, everyone's naked. Whether you like it or not, everybody's naked. Your information's out there. It'll take me five minutes to find out where somebody's at politically. You like Trump, you don't like Trump, you're an Obama guy, you're a Bernie Sanders guy, you're a Lakers, you're a Green Bay Packer, you love your mom, you're better with your dad, you just went through a broke, breakup. You, it's five minutes. You can come up with 50 different things about a person, right, within five minutes, right? Okay. So we're all naked. You can't really, today, everyone knows your business. So if that's the case, so you, you best control the narrative because if you don't, somebody else was. I don't want to hand the mic to somebody else. I'm going to control the narrative. And then other people can say what they want to say, but this is my perspective. And then, you know, you can agree or disagree. But so, but it's, it's very, you're, it's YouTube, it's a huge channel on YouTube for entrepreneurs. How did it kind of like evolve then into doing the... Like the media company the, type of thing? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's a, that's a different reason. Yeah. The media, the media thing is, I think we are living in very uh, uh, weird times where uh, the media is confusing the hell out of everybody. The whole gaslighting, dividing, confusing people. And it's ugly. It's very weird. So uh, for me... I think the, the name of the game is converting. So meaning, if you just want to find people that agree with you, it's not hard to do today on social. Mm -hmm. If you want to find people that fully agree with you politically, spiritually, whatever, go find them. The Christian church is struggling because they're having a hard time converting. Not because they can't find other Christians. Mormonism is growing because they're having an easy time converting. So whether you agree with, I'm not Mormon, by the way. Mormonism's converting people. Christians are just finding the same people, right? Don't get me wrong. Some churches yeah. are growing, but not everybody, right? So some people are like, wow, I can't believe wow, what a good job they're doing. Those guys, look how fast they're growing. Give them credit. They're better at converting. Yeah. You're just finding people like you. So if you take politically people in America right now, uh, you got 40-something percent here, 40-something percent here. No matter what you tell them, they're going to vote Republican. No matter what you tell them, they're going to vote Democrat. Right. No matter what you tell certain people, they're going to vote Green. No matter what you tell certain people, they're going to vote Libertarian, right? There's 12% of people left. Valuetainment is for these 12%. Are people that are open-minded, that are willing to be entertaining a thought to say, Chow, 
That makes sense. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll consider that idea. We want to get people to say, I never thought about it this way before, but it makes sense. I never thought about it this way before, but it makes sense. So we would like to convert this community into a certain way of thinking. And we feel the certain way of thinking is freedom. Capitalism's freaking awesome. Maybe the way it's been presented to you is from a bad angle. There are some people that maybe are bad capitalists, but there's a lot of great capitalists that change a lot of people's lives who would do it the right way. There's nothing wrong with having a lot of money. There's nothing wrong with being a person that's making 15 bucks an hour, contributing to society, having a job, and you don't rely on the government to take care of you. We wanted to come from a different angle, and then we wanted to add entertainment to it, humor to it, laughter to it, combine all that together. Uh, we saw an opening today to compete in the media market, uh, and we're excited about it, really excited about it. This Mafia States of America was a playbook on how uh, it was gonna be done. We'll be launching an OTT site here very soon, like a Netflix type of OTT site. And there's a there's a 20 year plan for Vitamin and, and we're just literally getting, so we just bought the building, uh, the Vitamin building we're moving into in the next few weeks. Oh, so this is just not even the build, you're just oh, like- Oh no, you're this, just... is, this is like, we just moved <laughs> in here and we did a few things in this thing, but no, uh, we're moving into our building, which we cannot wait to reveal that to everybody. Wow, so then there's like so much more to come. So you're gonna be doing, do you wanna be like, I hate this you know, uh, comparison, but like the CNN, but for the 12% that you're talking yeah. about? Yeah, so, so Ted Turner meets Kirk Kikorian. That's what it is. So that's what your vision is. Oh, 1 million percent. Yeah, Ted Turner meets Kirk Kikorian. And yeah. you have tw you have a, you have like a twenty year plus plan year. on that. Oh yeah, yeah. Twenty years, like where we'll be twenty years from now. But yeah, absolutely, twenty years. And so we're uh, attracting, recruiting from people that want to be in front of the camera, behind the camera, creative, support, help, finance. No matter what it is, we're we're in heavy, heavy, heavy recruiting mode right now. Wow, that's that's so exciting, yeah. though. Oh my gosh, I wish I. If you only knew how excited I am and how excited we are as a team, yes, it's. Very exciting because again, it's the unknown. Absolutely, you know, it's it's the unknown. Alec, are you sleeping like at all, or what is your daily routine like? Oh I'm just God. curious. So, so Dinkin bought me this this ring thing. What is the ring called? Aura, the the aura ring, whatever it's called, that tells you how you're sleeping. Oh, so, the aura ring. Yeah, the aura ring. yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. I, I love that. I forgot that aura to bring ring. it into charge. He's probably going to ask me in a minute. I was going to say, where, you're not wearing yeah. it. No, no, no. I had I have it yesterday, but it ran out of battery, so I left it in my office. I got to bring it in. I left the, it in the, the kitchen. The problem is, you can't, it's hard to work out with it because it's like kind of cumbersome. So It like, is. It is a little bit. Problem. You're right. Yeah, it is a little bit. Uh, it's got that square on the bottom that's a little bit weird. Right. But, but yeah, so uh, uh, sleep wise, I will get worst case, I'm going to get my four. Best case, I'm going to get my seven. I can't think of the last time I had eight hours of sleep. Oh no, I'm sure like you can't. I can't think of it. What time are you waking up in the morning? Six o'clock, no matter what, I'm up. Six o'clock? No matter what, but 5.30, six o'clock, Like how do you have time to do anything else? Like, do you, I mean, do you have like- Well, that's why I'm cutting a lot of things right, right. now. Like you, I'm so, dropping a lot of things right now. I don't have a choice but to drop a lot of things right now to put more focus on fewer things. Like right now, I, I would love to go to Gracie Barra three, four, five times a week. And we had a meeting about this yesterday. You want to go where? House. Do what? To do jujitsu. To do jujitsu oh, and, and train. Oh, So it's it's between that. It's, it's and I got four kids. I just had another one that's five months old. The businesses, the travel. Thank you. All these things. So uh, it's it's all about bandwidth now because I also don't want to stretch my myself too thin because then you're not effective. Right. Uh, so yeah. I wanted to talk about processing because you talk so much about it. Not to put you on the spot, but I figure if anyone can handle it, processing. It's you. Yeah, not the process, the lunch part. Um, <laughs> You're the, funny. The, the the processing. So could you talk about it a lot? And it's super important. And um, how does someone become a good processor? Why do you think it's so important? 
Explain. I, I think everything in life is processing. The, the sooner you can get a system on how to process issues, you will have an edge because you're going to be put in a lot of weird situations that you don't know how to handle that situation. So there needs to be a process on what to go through, uh, uh, the risk, the urgency of it. You know, like certain people are like, yeah, you know, uh, I saw my son the other day. He smelled like weed. And, you know, I saw powder with uh, something, but ah, he's probably not doing drugs. I'm not going to bring it up. Yeah, you, you kind of need to figure out what's going on there, right? There needs to be a certain level of urgency. It's your kid. It's your family. You know, my, my daughter is 12 years old. She's in her room with a 14-year-old boy and the door's closed. They're probably not doing anything <laughs> because when I was 14 years old, of course, I didn't do anything crazy. Yeah, okay. No, you kind of got to be like, hey, uh, can we open that door and come downstairs, guys? Not here. You guys can play in the living room or something else. But the door cannot be closed. Cool. Awesome. Come on, Larry. Boom. All right, let's go here. Uh, you know, you got to have a certain level of uh, urgency, paranoia, the level of crisis, the level of the issue, the level of I've never been here before. Who can I call that has expertise in this area to help me out? Maybe somebody's going to give me better counsel on how to handle a situation like this better. That's all processing. All of that is processing. Uh, but is it more, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I guess what I'm talking about, it's like more, that sounds more to me about like, kind of like dealing with something like right up, like right out, like not being afraid to kind of, for, for confrontation or like dealing with an issue when it happens versus like scouring or being nervous to kind of deal with it, right? Because some people are like very much like surface processors, like they're not really getting to the meat yeah. of the matter. How do you get to the meat of an issue? Well, the, the, so again, that's part of processing. So the meat of the issue would be asking the why question so many times until you get to it. So uh, like today, I'm having a, my weekly CEO call with my C-suite executive. So. The system had a shutdown last uh, uh, this week for nine hours. So why did that happen? What caused it? Was it on us? Was it on the outset? If it is on us, which employee was it? What was it like? Here's what I want to know. When the system shut down, do we have any kind of an alert that tells us the system shut down? I said, do you, do you know how your phone, when it's going to 10%, 10%, it does what? It makes that noise, right? When your phone goes to 10%, it, it does, iPhone. It just turns It yellow. does something, right? What does it do when it goes to 10%? You get, you get a notification on Apple, right? Okay. I like that. That tells you at 10% charge the phone, right? So I said, do we have anything here when the system's down? The second it's down, we get alerted and it goes sent to seven people. We don't have that. I want that technology. Let me look into it. I need it by next Monday so we don't have this happen because nobody got alerted. Everybody was asleep. Where these are things that why, 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 why? Okay, we need a better person to do this job. We need a better way to alert us when this happens again so we move forward. Great. So, you know, if you don't ask the why question, okay, you're on top of it, great, fantastic, awesome, surface, 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 you're not getting to it. So yes, I would say it's the why question until you get to the real uh, issue. So for entrepreneurs, because a lot of entrepreneurs are obviously watching this, um, what you, there's nine love languages, I love that part. Which love language are you? And does a love language have to be the same as your, sorry, your entrepreneur love language, the same as your actual five, you know, the five love languages? Are they usually similar or could they be different? No, they, they and what uh, are yours? Uh, so the nine love languages. Uh, 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 the, and did you come up with that? Yeah. So I the nine it. love languages would be, uh, five, first of all, five love languages, what? Quality of time, words of affirmation, touch, surprise, acts of kindness. Yeah. Did, did I get them? You got them. I, I got them, right? So on the, on the business side, to me, again, remember how I said I'm driven by history? Right. That's what moves me. So all the other stuff is stuff that I have to do no matter what. But on the business side, it has to be something about us doing something big. 
I have no interest. So a guy came up and he said, hey, you know, we can build our own Vitim and Metaverse and you can have Vitim and Meta, this, that, that. And they had this whole nice pitch that they present. Guy, I love this guy that we had a conversation with. Phenomenal guy. He's been following the content for many, many years. And I said, here's at this phase of my life, if this is a million dollar project, not interested. If this is a $10 million project, doesn't interest me. If this is a hundred billion, hundred million, billion dollar project that we can scale to that level and it can be that disruptive, I'm all ears. But I, I don't have the bandwidth for a million or $10 million. There's not an interest there because it's history to me. Right. It's something that has to do with correcting an injustice. It's a crusade. You're doing something that's very different. That's a language that moves me. So, and also, are you doing anything with NFTs? I was just, that was just a side thing. You said meta, so I got, I thought. Yeah, about- we're, we're being, attract, we're being uh, approached to do something with that. We haven't yet done anything, but when we do, we'll announce it. Nothing's been signed. Nothing's been working. And there's nothing we're working on right now with NFTs. Nothing. Nothing. Zero. Um, Now, okay, like I said, this is like, I did not go, I did not even do any of this stuff, I guess. I guess it's kind of like fruitless. We did a good job with the interview. It's a good interview. I mean, well, thank you. You asked great questions, even though you haven't looked at your notes. I didn't look at my thing. Well, because I was like, because I had, like I said, genuinely, I really love the book. A lot of times people say that and they're like, they haven't even read the book. But I read the book before I even knew that this was going to be involved and then I just re- like reread it. And I, like I said, there's so many great points, especially for entrepreneurs. And I didn't want to ask you an amateur podcast question about like the keys to success, yeah. but I mean, you'd say them, I mean, accountability and all these other things. The one thing I think I didn't ask you, and I'm curious when, like, even when you're building Valuetainment and your media company and you're going against these big Goliaths, uh, how, what are some ways, how do you fight or not fight, but how do you even compete even if you're unique and you're different with someone of that magnitude. So so let's just say you and I are gonna have a fight, okay? Let's say I'm gonna fight David, okay? Hypothetically, we have a fight going on, okay? David is got a ridiculous kick, okay? And I'm not a guy that's got a kick. I'm a stand-up guy and I'm good ground, but I can't kick. He, he did kickboxing for 12 years and Taekwondo for four years. I've never done Taekwondo, I've never done kickboxing. I've done boxing, I've done jujitsu. We fight. I have to do whatever I can to avoid that kick of his right. because that's his game. If I play the fight of kicking, he's gonna whoop my ass, right? But if I take him to the ground, I'm ahead. If we do stand-up boxing, I'm, it's not as good as ground because if I'm ground, he can't kick me on the ground. Right. But if I'm standing up boxing, he can keep kicking me. So even though I'm boxing, I may still lose to his kick. So I'm better off taking him to the ground as soon as possible, ground and pound, and I'm done with him. If I stand up, he's probably gonna beat me up, right? You go up against a Goliath, they're gonna have way more strengths than you are. You gotta find that one little weakness that they got and you gotta attack them there. If you go in that area, you attack them there, and then people take notice. Wow, you beat them in this area? Yeah, and then gradually you maneuver and you go to other areas, but you don't go to strength against strength. You'll lose. This is why guys like Jake Paul, when they wanna fight these UFC guys, they will never fight him UFC. When Mayweather said, yeah, I'm gonna fight uh, Conor McGregor. You wanna fight UFC? You know what Conor would do to you in <laughs> UFC? Right, absolutely Conor true. would destroy mm-hmm. Mayweather if it was an actual UFC fight. But Mayweather is brilliant. Mayweather went up against the Goliath of UFC and he fought him in what? His world, mm-hmm. which is boxing. Yep. And you gotta give him credit for it. That's pretty much exactly how you face Goliath. What Mayweather did to Conor. You find the weakness. You find the area or that's go into your, your strength. Area. And exactly. L- play my game. Right. You know, in sports, they say, you know, the New England Patriots got them playing to their game. Okay. And the other guys, like, like, look at Ted Cruz against Trump. 
Perfect. Yeah. Ted Cruz. And uh, uh, who was the other guy from uh, uh, Miami? Uh, uh, Marco Rubio, yeah, right? Yeah, Marco Rubio. So Trump's like, look at everybody here. Rand Paul, what are you doing up here anyways? You shouldn't be up here. Uh, <laughs> everybody I've given money to, Ben Carson's a nice man. Marco Rubio, I gave him so much money. Ted Cruz, I gave him money. Ted, what happened with your wife, this and all this stuff? Like, it looked, what, <laughs> what just happened here, right? And Ted and Marco and Rand Paul are like, well, I've never been part of an unorthodox debate like this. So the next thing you know, Ted totally. Cruz and Marco Rubio started try taking shots. They're like, dude, you're not a troll. Totally. You, you, you don't do that. That was a bad look on you. Don't, don't do that again. This man's yeah. been a professional troll for seven years of his life. He'll ruin you in that game. Don't play that game. Totally. So the moment they went into his game, it's a trap. You're disarming them, though. And you're also lost. you're like, yeah, exactly. You're lost because Trump is going to... Trump it, could write a math, do a master class on trolling and everybody in the world would buy oh, 100%. it. Oh, 100%. I'm sorry, didn't you want to interview him at some point? I saw yeah. something. We're working right now on an interview that we want him and Obama oh. to sit down together. I put $5 million on the table to interview Trump and Obama on a three-hour podcast. And we're... we're, it, uh, we're is it happening, you think? We're, we got some stuff cooking behind closed doors. We'll really? See this, this one's going to be tough. But this one, uh, yeah, we're, we're working on many creative ways of happening. But here's all I can tell you. If we do a Trump-Obama interview, the world's going to stop for those three hours. That I, I mean, I, I saw you put that up months ago, and I was hoping that that was going to happen. Well, I mean, you don't put something like that and it happens overnight. Well, That's a very I, I complicated... <laughs> I didn't think it was going to happen like no. tomorrow, but yeah. I mean, well, first when you of all, said it. The chances of that happening, let's face it, it's less than 1%. I, I think Trump would do it in a heartbeat. It's Obama that wouldn't do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's then that's when the incentive concept takes over and... You know, why would somebody want to do it? It can't be about the money and the house and the cars. It's not about the money It's got to be about history. It's got to be a legacy. It's got to be about, you know, think about, like, say the right says, nobody can go up against Trump. He'll bull everybody. And the left says, nobody can go against Obama. He's one of the best debaters. He sat down with Hillary. Look what he did to Romney. Look what he did to McCain. Well, then how can we leave this generation without seeing these two guys? Not, oh, it would be amazing. Well, you know, Dave off, Portman. Right? I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, you got you to get that. But Dave Portnoy did a, uh, an interview with him. Did you see that one with, with Trump with, okay. like a while ago? I didn't did see you it. see it no. from Barstool? Oh, he did it like a long time. Not a long time. When ago. he was a president. Yes, okay. he was still the president. Yeah. But like he still did it. Like people were shocked that he sat down with Dave. Do you know Dave Portnoy? Oh, Trump will sit down with anybody. I'm telling you. Yeah, I, Trump will sit down with anybody. Uh, uh, that that there is some kind of a benefit to him. I mean, he's not going to sit down with anybody that's just, you know, you don't get the eyeballs. Exactly. There has to Meaning be Trump is not afraid. He's a gamer. He'll sit down. Obama's a uh, uh, little bit more, uh, uh, you know. Oh, I know. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I don't think Trump's the problem. I think the other one would be way more difficult to get. Listen, if you if you want to ever say that you helped unite America when it was divided and have history books talk about you being a synergist and a uniter, I think both President Obama and President Trump ought to consider doing a long form sit down together. And we would pull it off. And you would pay five million to who? To a charity? Two and a half million to him, two and a half oh, million to the other person. And, and you guys pick and choose where you want. You want to give, give to Chicago, kids there who need some scholarship from Obama's side? No problem. You want to give to veterans? No problem. But five million is on the table. Because you you've done some amazing interviews with some amazing people. How are you getting these amazing people? Not, I mean, some of them I'm sure are easy. The truth is my family owns a lot of oil. And I'm part of a very <laughs> well-off oil family. And, and they kind of know our lineage. 
Uh, is that true? Because George Bush, how did you get George Bush? I mean, <laughs> I'm not, I don't know. Because like, I know you don't come from money, but like you got people. Forget about, I know you got some great other, some other people. You and I have had a lot of similar people, by yeah. the way. But some of them like George Bush and yeah. think people like that. I'm like, how did you we get worked, that? We worked on uh, uh, President Bush for a while. And eventually it happened. We were going back and forth with his team, with his crew. And um, then finally they agreed to do it. The, the moment, you know, the event where I interviewed President Bush is the same event that I pr- uh, interviewed Kobe Bryant. Oh, was it? Same exact event. They were a day apart. Oh, I didn't know that. Same audience, same event. Oh, yeah. And we had 100 Secret Service guys there. It was a very weird event. I'm- very complicated because we had to have the metal detectors. And we tried to get 6,200 people through the metal detector every day. It was mayhem, mayhem how problematic that was. Wow. But we pulled it off. Yeah, we pulled it off and President Bush came and he talked and he talked about alcohol, talked about his past. It was it was fascinating listening to him. Probably the best part was the 45 minute conversation we had in the back. Uh, it's always that way. Yeah, it was great just talking to. What did he say? This will leave it, well, this will be the last yeah, question for I, you. I, 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 it was more uh, family, legacy, Maine, Prescott, you know, grandpa. Um, like human. Yeah, it was not even about, it was just more from that standpoint, just kind of watching him, you know. There's only 45 of these guys, 46 of these guys now, right? I know. It's so amazing. it's not like there's like, a, there's 110 billion people have been born in the world based on what some scientists say, and only 46 US presidents. I mean, that's. That's pretty, that's, that's pretty elite to be in that, that situation. You was know? he your favorite of all the people that you, who was your favorite? And Interview? Did, yeah. No, it's Kobe. Kobe's Kobe for sure, yeah. right? It's Kobe. Kobe's at the top. And not, not taking nothing away from the other guys that I've interviewed. It's just there was a connection with Kobe and I. Kobe was a different interview. That one was a blast. When we sat down and we spoke, it was so crazy. Kids were coming before that. He talked to Dylan, talked to my nephew, oh. Sean. Just what a, you know. The guy is a killer. Like, he is exactly who you know he is. But at the same time, he's got the EQ as well, where he understands he's a people person. Um, really cool guy. When that happened, listen, it's just the, the world stopped. Imagine imagine how big of an impact you've had in the world where the world stopped the day you died. People die all the time. But imagine what an impact you made where the not U.S. stopped. I know. We have a lot of athletes that pass away. And, you know, in America, we mourn. But the world stopped for a day. I mean, he probably didn't even know his impact was that right. big until that event happened. Why the do, world didn't know his impact was that big until that happened. Like, why do you think that? Like, what was the? Th- I, because I think he for he resemb- he was such a his work ethic and who he was. I, was I so think strong, I think but. what made him unique is he flat out said who he wanted to be, and he put so much pressure on himself. And he went out there try, trying to start, strive at being better than freaking Michael Jordan. Who gets a jersey 24 to say I'm one better than Michael? Who does that? I know, right? Who does that? Who does something like that? So from the beginning, you take on that kind of pressure? Nah, that's that's like, no, that's just, that's like magic saying my number is going to be 30, 34. You know, I'm one better than Kareem or something. People don't want that kind of pressure. It's a, And I'm not saying anything about Michael. Michael's not afraid of going after anybody. Yeah, but Kobe yeah, yeah. flat out said, I'm gonna be one better than Michael. And the world fell in love with them. Love-hate relationships. One of those guys that you hate, but you love them. It's right. so weird. There's certain people you hate, but you love. Right, 100%. You know, it's like, it's, it's uh, and some people fall in that category. That guy is, you know, qualified that category. 
did, did he say one thing to you and we can wrap it up that that kind of stuck with you that you maybe never heard before or that you learned or t gleaned another piece of him a thought from uh, or he from comes anybody? in he comes in the interview before we're meeting in this uh, conference room and his girl brings him over uh, not his girl his uh, helper brings him over she was in her 70s i think uh, uh <laughs> and i'm being serious and they were so he was like it's his grandma so interesting dynamic she says how you doing i said i'm doing good how you doing he says good he says you get nervous about this stuff i said no he says no nah, me neither i said cool then we're gonna have a good interview I said yeah and then we started talking, but just right off the bat, it was sizing up, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, right off the bat. You get nervous about this stuff? I'm like, no, nah, I do a lot of these. Yeah, me neither, I don't get nervous either. And we sat down and when the interview happened, we cut a two minutes of the footage because guys ran up to the stage and had to stop everybody. They ran up to the stage. We had a thousand people with iPhones live in the front. So we had to get everybody to go sit back down so the interview could be done. And uh, very intense. It's just purely from an enthusiastic standpoint. Everybody was happy Absolutely. to see this guy. Absolutely. But it was uh, it was great. It was a great time with Kobe. And he he is missed tremendously. Absolutely. And by the way, everything he's done, even forget about basketball with his books and his shows. He, he was like he hit home runs all the time. It wasn't just in basketball. His his investment company, like he he was a killer in everything else. Yeah, one of a kind, man. I mean, he's he's one yeah. of a kind, but I think history is going to favor him immensely. I think so. I too. think history is going to be on his side. Yeah, he's uh, at Art Basel. Basel, they had this art of Kobe. This one guy from LA that did it. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just a different kind of a connection. Mm -hmm. You know, a, a lot of players want to be remembered like that. It's very hard to be loved, admired, adored by, you know, at the level that he got it. It's not going to be that many people at that level. Uh, there's nobody besides Michael Jordan, who people still are so in awe of. There really isn't that many no. other people that I can even think of. No, My, uh, Kobe's Kobe. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. Kobe's Kobe. Wow. Well, thank you. I mean, this was a, a great interview. I'm really, really appreciative and thankful that you that you sat down for so long with me. Yeah, I, I think this is the longest interview I've ever done. Really. Okay? I think so. I think, we, yeah, we, we are definitely, this is a, uh, 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 yeah, this, but it, you know, you did good. You did great. This well, was a great interview. You asked the right questions. You, you, you got new information out of me. So I'm I enjoyed glad. it. Thank yeah. you. Habits and hustle. Time to get it rolling. Stay up on the grind. Don't stop. Keep it going. Habits and hustle from nothing into something. All out. Hosted by Jennifer Cohen. Visionaries. Tune in. You can get to know them. Be inspired. This is your moment. Excuses. We ain't having that. The Habits and Hustle podcast powered by Habit Nest. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, 
I get straight to the point and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.